welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood as we continue our months-long reviews of talking about school, school activities, all kinds of school mayhem here in the 1980s horror films. Up next, if you like pranks that don't age very well at all, <laughs> at all, like like literally at all. Like I mean, boy, try to do that shit now. You'd be fucking. That movie would be canceled in a second. If you like um, girls who get in their way with teachers, if you like, wow, yes. <laughs> if you like like nerds, you know, figuring out all the plots, kind of like how they did in Scream. And if you like a movies, a movie that definitely ripped off the original Halloween, then this is the review for you, brother, because the Retro Blood is taking their final exam because we're talking all about final exam. Jay Austin, James Klein. I like what you did there. Like that, huh? Like mm. the little, like the little yeah, transition. Yeah, you like that? So, uh, so yeah, Austin, your, your, your final exam is here. Okay, we're, we, we, are, we are about to be done with school. All right, we're going to be going on with our lives. And either college, was this high school or college? I couldn't really, I guess it was college, right? It's, it's a call for sure. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're, we're done with college. We're about to start our lives. We had to do some, we had to, we had to be with our frat boys doing some hazing and shit. Even though it's the final exam, is this guy going to be like, is he like, was he, was he, was he be graduating? I guess they were going on to the next semester. Yeah, I think it was just the end of a year. So they were they were getting they're they're about to take their uh, quote unquote final exam, and uh, and they were because remember that at the beginning of it the 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 blonde girl uh, was talking about how she couldn't wait to take her final exam so that she could uh, go back to the big city and be, get into the lights. She was basically saying she wanted to go party in the big city. That's exactly yeah, and then. Yeah, and then like a lot of people had already left campus, which is why there's people in this movie apparently. So I thought they were. So we'll, we'll get a little bit into it till we get to the full breakdown. But I thought they were doing that. Like they would say that in the movies, like, "Oh yeah, there's a lot of people around here. Not a lot of people around here." They had to do yeah. that just because they didn't have a lot of extras. That's the only thing I could think of. Because they had a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> right. They didn't have a lot of people. They, they kept they didn't have yeah. a lot of. I mean, <laughs> this movie only cost like three hundred thousand dollars to make yeah like they kept bringing no, up they, like they didn't have a lot of people <laughs> they kept yeah. bringing up well this is a rural area just let <laughs> you guys know right here in the boonies just <laughs> let you guys know now was this supposed to be taking place in north carolina so i don't know so imdb says it is yeah. but the movie never mentions that but it was filmed um like right close to us uh well kind of it was filmed at three different colleges it was filmed at what 
which is in Boiling Springs, which is kind of near Charlotte, sort of. And part of it was also filmed at Isothermal Community College, which is about I don't know, probably 40 minutes from where I live. And now it is out kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It's in Forest City. Like nobody lives in Forest City. That's, oh, yeah. Actually, that's not true. If we have any Forest City peeps, that's a guy who lives there actually. Um, but um, but yeah, uh, Forest City it's 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 a little town, um, Rutherford County. But Isothermal is like that's where uh, public radio comes from. Oh, okay. Um, BC W W what is it WNCW eighty eight point seven. Yeah, public radio broadcast out of Isothermal Community College, and this movie was filmed there in 1980, partly, apparently. It was also filmed in Shelby, and the studio work was done in Shelby. Um, so I didn't know this. I, I had heard of this movie, but I'd never seen it. Yes. Um, so this was a really good pick by you for once. It was a really good really good option that you made here. What do you mean that. for once, brother? I pick all the classics <laughs> on here. <laughs> all right. Yeah, you picked uh, uh, Blades yeah. and uh, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I got, I got all microwave the masker, man. I get yeah. shit from about microwave masker every single day. Oh, really? <laughs> no, no, that's that's an exaggeration. I don't, uh, but um, a really good a uh, good friend of mine was uh, trying to get his wife to watch microwave masker, and he showed her the trailer, and she was like, "Nope, <laughs> bro, that movie is a classic." She doesn't know what she's missing out, brother. Okay, <laughs> especially with our construction crew on them on that, fantastic. And so, like he listens to the show, but she doesn't. And he yeah. showed her that trailer. And then I'm, I talked to her like like a day or two later. Like you, you, you probably think we're the biggest idiots in the world, and she's <laughs> not wrong. Yeah, you know, we get we we like to we like to do deep dive analysis. You know, kind of like our we're kind of like our boy Radish on this on this episode. You know, we're we're the geniuses. We're, we're too smart for everybody's <laughs> own good. How, how do we take a deep dive into movies like Microwave Massacre? Yes, exactly. I mean, who else is going to talk about but us? I mean, exactly. that, that that movie, Microwave Man, could have been lost to history if it weren't for us. It's for true. We know that we could people that ever have, have ever examined that, but but yeah. So and now we got another one. This movie is a lot better than Microwave Massacre, though. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So you know, a couple of things I want to bring up before we get into our history segment, mm-hmm. talk about what was happening in the world of pro wrestling and metal around the release date. Um, I just want to bring up a little bit. So, you know, this is this film was released on February 27th, 1981. And we have yes. done a pretty good amount of reviews for 1981. We have we have done Halloween 2, Our House by the mm-hmm. Cemetery, My Bloody Valentine, and mm-hmm. Deadly Blessings. Everybody go check those out in the archives. Those are all fantastic reviews. But, you know, I was trying to... So, you know, when I was watching this film, like I was saying at my uh, in- introduction was, I mean, this film, especially towards the end, like, we're just we're, we're just ripping off Halloween. I mean, we got a random guy... Come on. We got a random guy who doesn't... We don't know why he's attacking these teenagers with a <laughs> knife. Okay. And them. And we're, yes. And we have kids dying. Yeah, we have sex going... I mean, come on now. This is like... Totally, totally copying it. Don't don't tell me it's not. All right, but no, it is. But a lot of movies did. Like yeah. Halloween became the archetype for this kind of movie, right? Yeah, Halloween was such a huge success, and there never. Well, somebody will, will argue with me when I say this, but there really had never been anything like that before. Not not exactly like that. But Halloween invented the slasher movie, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, and you know this is this. This, you know, even even um, even um, uh, 
the uh, Mustafa Khan, the guy that produced Win, uh, was like, you know, when he was talking about to other people, it's like, yeah, right how just write a movie around a holiday and it'll be a success because he thought that was what, what made uh, Halloween popular, I guess. Um, this is not around a holiday, but it is it is much derivative, we'll say, of Halloween. Yep. Just unstoppable random guy. And he's literally random because we have no idea who this person is. Exactly. So uh, the, one of the things I wanted to talk about as well is where they placed the movie on 1981. And I thought, like, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but it's very interesting of how they placed it around February compared to what was being released in 1981 when it comes to some of the major... Uh, horror movies that it's like it's like it's contemporaries at the time with like teenagers right. being killed and stuff. So this one's in February 27, 1981. Uh, we didn't see Halloween two until October thirtieth. Okay, which makes sense. Yes, and then we this this movie also came out before Friday the Thirteenth Part Two as well. So I just thought how mm-hmm. it was like okay, you know we're, we're we're trying to we're trying to get a jump ahead here, brother. Uh, before these two blockbuster ones come out. Um, well, when did Friday the 13th Part 2 come out? In the summertime? It came out in May. It came out May 1st. Okay, well, um, that makes sense as well. Yes. So, yeah. So, I mean, you I mean, you know, um, what's the word? Stylistically, I guess, like with the, what the movie's about, putting it out in May would have been perfect. However, I mean, it was smart for them not to want to go against Friday the 13th. Yes. Because that was like a, a proven proven thing like you know they i mean they had a pretty good idea friday 30th part two would be popular um and with that crowd and then halloween coming out in october makes perfect sense too yes so they put this out probably in february because nobody goes to movies in february that's what when a lot of horror movies come out um so that's why a lot of horror movies come out in the fall actually it's not because of halloween it's actually because you don't want to put your horror movie out in the summertime because it's going against all these big blockbusters that people are already, you know, pre-programmed to want to go see. So by the by the fall, all the big movies are dying out, you know, and, and are, are leaving, and people have already seen them. So you so they want to see something new, and there's not that much new. So you put your little horror movie out in October, and or November. Well, November's almost Christmas, but like September, October, and then people go will go see it because it's a new movie. Um, and I'm sure that this uh, was the same way. In February, there's nothing new, so they put out Final Exam. Well, it's a new movie. Let's go see it, and it you know it brings it brings dollars in. But yeah, I mean, I think that th- this was a great great time to put this out. February, March would have been great for this movie. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it did have like probably a little uh, competition when it came to one of the movies we reviewed, also to My Bloody Valentine. Uh, you can yes, check it out yes. on the archives. But that movie was fantastic. Um, and that one actually came out a couple, about a week before this movie. That one came out on February 13th, 1981. So, so not too shabby there. Not, not too bad. Not too bad. But yeah, you got to consider too that, like we've talked about this before, but. Movies weren't released exactly the same way they are now, especially small movies like My Bloody Valentine and this movie. Yeah. So it's not like they went to every theater at the same time. They kind of bicycled through through different movie chains. So like one movie, they might have final exam for two weeks, and then it kind of dies off because everybody in their small town saw it, so they send it off to another small town to show it for a while. So not everybody had a print of these small movies all at one time, too. So, you know, it could have been competing against My Bloody Valentine, but it, it may not have been as well. Yes. You know what I mean? 
Whereas and, a movie like Halloween 2 probably went to all oh, the yeah. big theaters. Yeah, same thing with probably Friday the 13th Part 2 as well. Exactly. So speaking of small town, let's get into some of the wrestling and, and metal around the release date. Our final exam, February 27th, 1981. We'll talk about some of the wrestling at first. And there's not a whole lot going on um, around this particular month. But I did find some uh, interesting information. So the WWF was doing two house shows around this time. Which we talked about that before. You know, the, the, the WWF during this time, and a lot of wrestling during this time, was a touring business. So a lot of times during your touring business, you would have an A show and a B show, and you would tour different markets. But this one I found was kind of interesting. So on the actual day of this movie being released, February 27, 1981, the WWF was in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, at the Peace mm-hmm. Armed Force Base Gym. Wow. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> and check out these. I'm not going to say all the matches, because some of these people, I just have no idea who they are. But I'm going to say the top two matches. So your top two matches for this particular show was Hulk Hogan. He fought Dominic DiNucci. And he defeated him. So what a random match that is, huh? Yeah. So Hulk Hogan in a gym. Yeah. Of course, it it is 1981. It's not Hulkamania yet. No, he's just just a wrestler at this point. Yeah. Um, He was probably like a big, big heel guy. You know, like, we know yeah, who he is. Yeah. He's getting bigger. He, he's, like, slowly working up the ranks, you know. It's pretty much not until he made that Rocky movie and then he went to the AWA that he became, like, the me- megastar. So, besides that random match that we have, the, the main event, Allison and everybody out here, for our, our WWF card at this Air Force gym is going to be WWF champion Bob Backlund versus... Mm-hmm. Sergeant Slaughter. And do you know how you know how the match ended? Uh, double DQ? Yeah, kind of. You're close. You're warm. Okay. <laughs> you're warm. You're not hot yet. You're warm. Okay. You want one more guess or no? Uh double no wait. Uh double count out. You got it. You got it, ah. brother. The finish of the finish of every wrestling house show known to man, because we can't beat anybody in this fucking era. We got to do a count out, brother. Yep, that's a weird match though. Like, yeah, or W. You got it. That's a weird match though. Like, who was the heel? Was it Slaughter? I'm guessing it's Slaughter. Well, not on an army base. That's what I'm saying. Like, but you know, Backlund wasn't no fucking heel. Backlund didn't go heel until like '93. That is really weird. Yeah, very weird, strange match. I mean, it could have just been. It, go ahead. I was gonna say. I wonder if it could have just been like a, like a like a double face match, like where they're like. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, you know, like maybe Backlund came out, you know, as the baby face, you know, the, you know, uh, boy next door character, and was like, I, you know, we're on this army base because you said it's on an army base, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, we're on this army base, so I want to. To uh, give an opportunity to a great American hero, blah blah blah, Sergeant Slaughter, come out. Let's 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 give you an opportunity for this world title, and then they just fight to a double count out. I mean, it's Maybe. possible, but I just I don't know. I think I think Slaughter might have been the heel because you know he had that boot character thing going on. You know, like he I, I don't think he really started to come into a baby face until like he was on like G.I. Joe and shit 
Oh, well, maybe, but oh. it would be weird to be on an army base and try and make uh, Sergeant Slaughter the heel. That's what I'm saying. Maybe they're making him like the, uh, like, you know, like, I know he had that heel run later on in the 80s where he's like, you know, the uh, Iraqi sympathizer and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. this, you know, this particular portion, because, you know, Bob Backlund was WWF's like main baby face. So, you know, in, in this particular, after Bruno... You know, we had to have the white male fucking baby face goody two-shoes dude. You know yeah, what I mean? That yeah. was your champion. That's what basically what Bob back, you know, the all-American brother. You know yeah. what I mean? Goody two-shoes, signing autographs, kissing babies, politician motherfucker, you know, for your, for your right. champion. So the only thing I get, the, you, know, and, you know, at this particular time, they didn't really do a lot of like face versus face matches. You know what I mean? So the only thing I could say think was is like Sergeant Sarr's character was probably that, you know, boot camp guy. You know, he was like saying like, yeah, I'm a boot camp guy and you guys couldn't handle me and stuff like that. You know, but it it, it is kind of weird to see like Sergeant Sarr maybe being like a heel or not at at a at a army base, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. So, kind of interesting, um, just a little little interesting house show that's going on during the uh, release date of this movie. You know, we can catch our boy Wild Man doing some of his tricks at the school. And then we can go see mm-hmm. Sergeant Slaughter face Bob Backlund. I bet that match is pretty good, though, I would say. Oh, I bet it was, too. I mean, Slaughter is like an under... I feel like he's an underrated wrestler. You know, like, he got... Um, I think he was he was a lot better in the ring than people give him credit for today. You know, oh, yeah. they just see the Army gimmick and then uh, the fact that he was on G.I. Joe... Um, you know, but but he was—I think he was a good wrestler. He was a very good wrestler, especially in his early days. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he, when he had matches with like Greg Valentine and stuff, I mean, those were hard-hitting, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, fights in the ring. Like he definitely had a really good brawling style to him. So it's very interesting to see him fight like a Bob Backlund, who's more like a mat-based traditional wrestler. So mm-hmm, true, true. Definitely some fun stuff going on here in the world of wrestling. But Allison, you said you had some cool music for us for this for this month. What what do we got here? What are we gonna be popping in the Trans Am? What shows are we gonna be going to? You know, we're gonna get hyped. You know, we're, we're gonna be as hyped as our boy uh, uh, Mark was trying to make an eighty-two on his test. That's how hyped we are, brother. Yeah, that's a that's a good score, eighty-two. Well, he needed I mean, the eighty-two, score, but he needed the eighty-two. You're right. That's to what keep he his had, car, had brother. To- Keep his car. <laughs> I forgot yes, to keep his car. Otherwise, his dad is going to cut him off. Cut him off, brother. Um, so, February 27th, 1981. Um, so, let me ask you, since I'm putting you on the spot here, who are my two top favorite bands of all time? Okay. So, obviously, Iron Maiden's one of them. Yep. Because we one of them. For a while, we were doing the what was Iron Maiden doing this day <laughs> on the show? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, other than that, like it kind of trickles down to a little bit. I know you liked, um, wasn't Megadeth one of them too? No. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'll put you out of your misery. So uh, my top two favorite bands of all time are Iron Maiden and Rush. Oh yeah. Rush. And, that's right. Yes. And Iron Maiden was doing something on this day, but they were in another country. And I was originally going to talk about that, but I found this. So this is, this is more appropriate for us. So Rush. <laughs> was playing a three-night stand in Chicago um, at the International Amphitheater, which ironically is inside, which I thought was weird. But uh, the building's no longer there, but 
they were they were on their moving pictures tour. So moving pictures is like probably the first really, really big rush album. Um they uh that's the album with Tom Sawyer and Limelight and all those big songs that they still played all the way to the end. Um but they were playing three nights in Chicago. They played the twenty sixth, twenty seventh, actually they're playing four nights, excuse me, twenty sixth, twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and March the first. Um and uh, like I said, they were on their moving pictures tour, which is like the first they they had they were a headlining act before this, but this was the first tour where they were huge, um, huge enough to play four nights in Chicago in a row. Um, this was on their, the tour for their eighth album. So Rush's first album came out in 1974, and by 1981 they had eight albums already. They were they put out so much stuff. Um, and actually, I listened to this entire show. Uh, well, not this night, but the show from March the 1st is on YouTube, and you can listen to the entire show, and there's a little bit of video footage from it. Um, but they open up with uh, the uh, – they play the entire first side of – well, the first two songs uh, from 2112, which was the first album that you know kind of got them to not be a failure. Like They were about to break up and get dropped from the record label when 2112 came out in 1976. But they played the 2112 Overture and the Temples of Syrinx, which is like the beginning of 2112. And then they go into some newer material. Um, but this this show is absolutely amazing. Um, this is one of the best live Rush shows I've ever heard. Um, and I have a lot of Rush bootlegs. But this is like the uh, one of the best live Rush shows I've ever heard. Like they like all the new all the songs from Moving Pictures were new. Um, they were playing like still playing the classics. Um, they they did strangely not I guess not I mean it's appropriate but they did skip their kind of the fly by night crest of steel era because those albums were you know the what you would call the failure album the albums just didn't hit until twenty one twelve but they played from twenty one twelve on um, yeah this show was absolutely amazing um, and uh, I don't know what do you think about uh, about the rush personally I mean that sure does sound amazing. Um, you know, we talked about Rush on this podcast, you know, pretty good amount of times. Um, yeah. You know, th- that band, you know, obviously, the, the, the thing that always comes to mind with me and Rush when I was introduced to him was yeah. I had a friend who was big into drumming. And yes. he he was studying drumming and how to get better at it. And he, he kept watching the uh, the drummer from Rush. I guess he had like a drumming video and he would just yeah. study that a lot. And the guy showed me the video and everything. So I always knew them as like the the band with like one of the best drummers. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Neil Peart's probably he might be the best rock and roll drummer of all time. But you know, he's and the thing is, it's not that you know he he was doing all these amazing things that no one else could do. But he was he's just and that's the thing I can't get people to understand is that everything he did was perfect. Like he was just perfect. Like it was played perfectly it was hit perfectly it was in time perfectly it was it just it fit the music perfectly and that's like that's part of being a musician is being able to listen to the people you're playing with and what you're playing complements what they're playing and you know not only did neil peart write all the lyrics for rush but he played you know he 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 complimented what everybody else was doing and it made you know this three-piece band sound like five pieces i mean you know he he was, you know, he he is like the, in my opinion, the perfect rock and roll drummer. Like I, I I I don't I don't know how anybody could argue that his contribution to rock drumming is not, you know, as much or above everyone else. Yeah. Um. 
but but yeah, like like the, a lot of songs that were on this show, they still played all the way up until the end. And um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I saw my first one of my the first concert that I ever went to that I wanted to go to was Rush, and I saw Rush in February of 1990. So you know, a little bit you know, nine years after this, yeah, movie came out and this concert happened. I went I went to see Rush for the first time, and then I saw every Rush tour from then until the end which is weird to think about. So I saw the 20th anniversary of Rush, the 30th anniversary, and the 40th anniversary of Rush. That's cool. So if anything makes you feel fucking old. <laughs> hey, at least you know it. they're still rocking um, it. Doing they're still, thing. well, they were until, you know, until the 40th. That, that was their last year. But, um, yeah. but yeah, the, uh, but yeah, it was kind of cool. Um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, if anybody wants to listen to this, it's, it's March 1st. The one that's on YouTube is March 1st, 1981. And it sounds great. I mean, it's a great quality audio bootleg. Um, there is a little bit of footage on there that will probably. It's about there's about nine minutes of footage from that show, which we'll put on uh, the uh, the Facebook page. But it's like uh, filmed on eight millimeter camera, nice. like eight millimeter film. And I'm guessing that eight millimeter film was fairly expensive then. So like he would shoot like a few seconds and then stop, and then like shoot a few more seconds and then stop. So, you know, and all that brings up, you know, comprises nine minutes of footage. But um, but this would have been an amazing show to be be at. And it would have been an amazing thing to go see final exam in Chicago in the afternoon and then go rock out with Rush that night. That or that would have been awesome. I know. What a what a wild time that would have been. You know, what I mean? of course, we would have went to all four shows if it were us. But, you know, it's true. I bet our boy Gary was the big Rush fan. No, I bet he was, too. Gary looks like a Rush fan. Yeah. Definitely, definitely was. But yeah, we'll play some of that on the Facebook page. We'll play a little bit after the show as well, too. Yep. So we got some great music. We got to, we got to, we're about to finish our exams. We're trying to get this fucking exam over to go see some Rush. I like it. I like it, brother. Yeah. So, rocking weekend. Yes, definitely. Fun, fun weekend. And that's three nights, too. So that's pretty cool. Mm hmm. So let's get into some of the who booked this shit because there's a lot of interesting yeah. facts about the final exam when it comes here. So it was directed by Jimmy Houston, uh, which I didn't yeah. get a lot of um, background on him, but I did get a background on some of the uh, actor actors and actresses on this film. But a couple about some of the production notes I thought was pretty interesting. Some of them we kind of already talked about. So it was filmed in North Carolina, South Carolina with the cast largely being from Los Angeles-based. So this film was released by Motion Pictures Marketing in the winter of 1981, which is obviously February. Uh, so like I was saying before, and I nailed this when I've been looking at these notes, the film was met with uh, some critical response, both being criticized for being praised for similar similars to Halloween and Friday the 13th. Which, I mean, it pretty much was. I mean, we have teenagers, we have an unknown killer killing them for no reason, and we're having some kind of sex going on here, brother. So, which, you know, hey, hey, if the formula works, we got to keep the formula. So. Well, yeah, I mean, that is a formula, right? You have yeah. to have, well, see, I was a little bit worried about this one, actually, because there was no nudity for a very long time, and then we got this random nude scene at the end for no reason. Well, we forgot, we got to add this in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, brother. You can't have uh, uh, art in the dark without some nudity, brother. No, no, I mean, you can't have art in the dark without nudity. No way. So a couple art interesting facts that I found about this movie, and one of them I nailed, and I'll tell you which one that is here in a second. So 
so while this movie wasn't perceived as like very like obscene or obscure, this film was seized and confiscated in the UK under the section three of the obscene publication acts of 1959 during the video nasty pandemic. I was a little bit surprised about that. Yes, me too. Cause it's like, you know, usually they would grab a movie that's like very gory, you know, has a lot of yeah. like unnecessary stuff. The only thing I could think of, okay, with this movie is, I don't like one of the big subjects about this film, which is, you know, one of the things we got to put a warning on is the, mm. the prank that the frat house did about the school shootings. That, but yes, right. But we're looking at that from 2023. Exactly. Like you talking about in our segment of you can't do that shit today. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that you couldn't do that would not be funny today. Yes. Um, but back then, I mean, I don't think people were that were really worried about things like that. Um, you know, like the the mass shooting that happens in the movie. Like I don't think or the prank that you know turns out to be a prank. Like I don't think that that would be something that would be seized or that would be censored back then. So I don't think that's what it was. What I mean, do you think it might have been? The only thing I can think of is I really don't know. I mean, other than like the stalking aspect of it, because usually the the um, the the British censors would 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 ban something that was overly gory, yeah, um, or had um, it was overly gory or had like a lot of sexual violence in it, yeah. And then that's the only thing I can think of is just this random guy that you don't know who he is stalking these like young co-ed women these like, young college women that's the only thing i can really think of i mean it's not particularly gory yeah that's what i'm saying I mean, not by, like, maybe may, maybe we're you know maybe we're desensitized to that shit after watching like gates of hell and all that stuff that we've watched you know just over the last year but um well i mean and maybe think- in 1981 we'd be shocked by this but i just don't see this being superly super gory well i mean like compared to some of the films that were released around this time I mean, I mean, shit. Like Friday the Thirteenth Part Two is probably gorier than this thing. I mean, fuck. We had exactly. E- we had Evil Dead come out around this time. You know what I mean? That was way gorier than this shit was. Yeah, but surely Evil Dead would have, if it played in England, it would have been censored too. Yeah, definitely. and it may have been. But I was gonna, add, I was trying to look up to see if Friday the Thirteenth was censored by the British because at Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, because that movie is definitely way gorier than this. Yeah, and we'll do it eventually on this show, but. um but yeah, I mean, this movie—I don't see anything about it being about it being seized by by the British censors. But I don't know; it's really strange. The only thing I can think of is like, well, this doesn't even make any sense either. Because I was thinking, well, maybe it's about you know they just objected to like the college kids being murdered. But I mean, in Friday the Thirteenth, I mean, they're just college age kids. Yeah, these at a camp. Yeah, at a camp. Yeah. So one of the things I nailed, I, right when I saw this character, I nailed it right there on the spot, which was the one of the main characters, Radish, and mm. what, what he inspired. So one of the central male characters, Radish, served as partially inspired for the character of Randy Meeks in Wes Craven's Scream. Yeah, like I, I saw that too, and I yeah. I didn't see that that what you're I didn't I didn't see what you're reading, but like what uh, 
what uh when i watched that movie i was like oh yeah they got the uh the guy that knows all about the horror movies they got that from from this movie for sure there's no way he did he wasn't influenced by this yes except in this movie he knows all about serial killers yeah so yeah so that's what his uh, character was most like about like he was talking about you know shooters he talked about that mass shooter that was on the we were talking about in the class he was talking about how these people can become psychotic and that he's basically being like the explaining the story within the story he was basically saying there could just be some random dude out there killing people for no reason and it could be happening anywhere at any time and he was basically saying the plot of the story which was this random guy we have no idea what his name Mm. was or nothing he even wear a fucking mask he just walked around his normal clothes (laughs) being just a crazy killer just killing people for no reason so, which, yeah, which I think is actually scarier than Halloween. Yeah, to me, like the idea of it, like the because you know with with Halloween you have Michael Myers, who's a crazy killer guy in a mask who's killing people, um, you know who is virtually unstoppable. But in this movie, it could literally be anybody. Like, I mean, I, I mean that's obvious, but it's like it, it's just some random person that just decided to kill these people. Yes. Like there's no there's no reasoning for it, and that's one of the things I liked about this movie is that there's no reasoning for it. They don't even show us his face. Yes, you know he's just it's just like this guy decided to kill these people. Well, and they it, did show us his face a couple times. Well, barely end. though. Yeah, towards the end, we did see a pretty good amount of his face. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. At the the final, so we do kind of see it. Yeah. Yeah. So we. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's so some of the stuff too. You know, the uh, the film was shot over a period of six weeks. From September 15th, mm-hmm. 1980 to October 25th, 1980. Um, they filmed it at the Shelby, North Carolina. Auditional photography took place at Limestone College, too. So, North Carolina and South Carolina, they were filming around there. We talked about that. And the film's mm-hmm. budget was approximately to be uh, $363,000 to do yes. the movie. So, which is nothing. It was basically nothing, which, you know. Yeah. I mean, this, this you could just watch this movie and see, like, you know, not too much uh, budget when it comes to a lot of places. So let's see. True. So novel. There's like a novel about this. There's a book. Mm-hmm. There's let's a see. book. I, I haven't read the book on this one. A mass market paperback novelization of the same name was written by Jeffrey Meyer. Was published by yeah. Pinnacle Books in 1981. It was later went. It later went out of print. The novelization further expands on the development of the characters, including the couple who are murdered at the beginning of the film. While the couples are nameless in the film, this adaptation reveals their names to be Diana and John and provides them Mm -hmm. with a backstory. Additionally, the the, the book hints at the motivation of the killer, which is never (laughs) explained in this film. So this fucking movie has a book. So this makes sense, though, because like back then, back in my day, the, um, like every movie that came out had a novel. Is that a new shirt we should do? Back in my day, brother, <laughs> we had books to read. <laughs> we had books to read, and we read books back then. We didn't have the internet yeah. like you, uh, like you, uh, you know, you millennial whippersnappers. Yeah, we had exactly. to entertain we ourselves, books, brother. <laughs> we had a string and a and a cup and a ball, and that's it. Yeah. But um, but yeah, there's like it was. I guess it was big business back then to let make a novelization of a horror movie. You know, you would hire an author to write. To you would send him the screenplay, and you would you would hire him to write a novelization of your movie. There's one for every movie, well, not every movie, but every horror movie, every 
every sci-fi movie for the time. There's one for Star Wars. There's one for Alien. There's one for Aliens. There's one for uh, Friday the 13th, one and two, at least. Halloween 2, I know, has one. Um but um, but yeah, it, and there's it, they're pretty collectible now because, like you said, it went out of print, and they all yeah. go out of print pretty quick because they were intended to be bought at the grocery store, um, which is where I saw most of them. Like I would go to the grocery store with my grandmother, and there would be like a novelization for Halloween two with the checkout counter, oh, which shit. is fucking weird to think about now. They're still um, selling it but, on eBay for four dollars. <laughs> <laughs> what the final exam novel? Yeah, it looks like it says final exam. Oh. Yeah, this is I was that. trying to find one. I couldn't find one. Oh, I mean, I think I got the right one. She's getting all about it. Let's see. Let me see if it's the right one. Maybe there's more than one final exam book. Let's see what the author. Was. Yeah, I, I, there's one that kept coming up that's about like a surgeon or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, this one's by Jeffrey Myers. The one I'm looking at, it's by um, A. Bates. A. <laughs> yeah, this says Bates A. Who? Right. <laughs> that sounds like a fake name. Who wrote a? That's definitely a shoot name. Who? Um, who wrote the final exam novelization? So who wrote that one was uh, Jeffrey Myers. It was written by Jeffrey, Jeffrey Myers. Meyer. See if we can find that on the eBay because I I kind of I kind of like these. Yeah, the little know? books. Yeah. The, I I just yeah, want to know what the, the I just uh, so so so. Uh, oh, 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 I found it. I found one. Okay, you found it. Where? Yeah, I can buy it on on eBay right now for sixty dollars. Oh shit! Okay, okay, hold on. Does it does it give us like? Is there any like place you can find that can tell us the backstory just a little bit about um, the two people that died at the beginning? Um, was, was sure. It, was it name? Uh, what was their name? John and and uh, Diana. Because yeah, something like you're telling me that these motherfuckers had a backstory. I could have told you the <laughs> fucking backstory. Okay, <laughs> our boy John is a jock, and he wants to get some puss in the car, and the girl ain't giving up the puss. There's the backstory, exactly. brother. Like what that more? Is, you're right. You're right. That is <laughs> what, the backstory. What more do we need for the backstory than it comes to that? I mean, fuck. Like the only thing I was that wondering is, is, like, we're gonna get to it, but how the fuck did this killer ki grab him out of a moving car, and the car just stopped? That's all I want to know. <laughs> okay? Well, we find out later that he has superpowers. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Either that or he's a ninja. I'm not sure which. Holy but. shit. Somebody's actually selling the fucking final exam book. Yeah. Yeah. If it weren't $60, awesome. I would buy that. I think that's a little high. But but it is the only copy on eBay I can find. So we'll see. So everybody, check it all out. <laughs> if you want to check out the final exam book, you might be able to find some of it online to talk about it. I just didn't realize they had a book with it. But that is... Uh, <laughs> That's pretty. That's pretty great. I have to know what the backstory is, though. I wonder if they give us well, like a little tint. Let's see. There uh, we go. Maybe. What is it? Okay, find it on. Okay, it looks like Amazon does it too. Let's see if it gives me a little. So it's called. Uh, one of the chapters is the uh, the kiss of death. It was a quiet moonlight night, perfect for making out in the back seat of a Lincoln. John. Eased his enthusiastic fingers up under Dana's soft cashmere <laughs> while she laid back, becoming more and more relaxed. Oh, okay. Our oh, boy. This is basically just going into detail about how he's trying to fuck. This is, I was about to say, this is, this is a lot of detail about this scene. <laughs> so suddenly, there is a ripping sound 
has the uh, canvas toward just above John's back. A good seven inches of silver blade stabbed into the Lincoln, slashing towards the window. Diana started as in horror for for well, she stared as in horror for a second before shrieking, "Johnny left!" Okay, John wow. dove to his left, avoiding the knife tip on instant. The blade slashed as he particularly seemed into the canvas, tearing down and back towards Diana. Eleven inches to the carving hit. It was a thin blade <laughs> growled where it had met the steel. That's what Diana noticed as a huge greamy first jerked the silver upwards towards her chest. The tip caught wildly in the driver's harness. Diana towards the windshield only returned to the blade for force ripping it into the guts of the of the leather upholster. So this is wow. Diana, now this is coming to like way detail. Yeah, that took longer to read that than that whole scene took in the movie. I know. Like I get, so th- this author is basically breaking down each of the stab like it's not just stabbing the people, it's stabbing the car too and he's saying each area mm. of, the, of the the stab was going into the Lincoln. <laughs> so that's our backstory a little bit for our boy uh, John and Diana, so. But everybody check it out. I mean, that's pretty cool that it has like a little like book of of all movies, Look. graduation day. I mean, uh, uh graduation day, uh, a final, final exam. Final exam. <laughs> That's another one we gotta be doing. But yeah, like I was saying, true. like I was doing some more research. There's so many school horror movies. Like we can, we're definitely gonna have to do another month of them because there's just so much. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, we could do this every May. We could do school horror movies every May for a while. So, but everybody, let's get into the full review of the movie Final Exam. Let's get on into it. Yeah, this is a good one. At Lanier College, they have the finest security, the best teacher-student relations. No fraternity hazing. Strictly enforced curfews. Shh. What was that? And a killer. He's come back. Final exam. When are you going to realize that the whole world isn't made of psychopaths? There's a murderer around campus killing people. Some may pass the test. Lisa! God help the rest. So let's get um, on into yeah. it. All right, so we're outside of school. It's kind of like dark outside. We see a little lake, a little pond. We see a little school. We see a car drive up. And I guess we, we are meeting our characters. They're not really named in the film, except for one girl is named Claire. But I guess mm. if we're going off the book, in the book, they were called John and Diana. We're here. Yes. All right. But the girl here, I swear, he said his name was Claire, but we didn't really get the guy's name. So we're just going to call him John. So this movie starts off hot. Okay, so this guy, (laughs) he's in his car, right? 
He's like making mm-hmm. out with his girlfriend. And the girl's like, Claire's like, okay, I I don't want to do this. Can we just go watch the ducks? And he's all like, you can't see ducks at night. All right. They, they, they don't, they don't, they don't know what to do. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's just start. Let's just make do. out in this car. She's like, I don't want to make out in this car. He's like, well, fuck, I don't got no money for a hotel. You know, well, you didn't mind the car before. All right. And she's all like, she's like, well, you spent all the money on beer. He was all like, <laughs> bro, this line was great. All right. He was all like, yeah, but you didn't mind your share, did you? I was like, damn, brother, that's the way you do it. All right, women yep. women act like they get all this free ride all the time, brother, okay? This, my boy over <laughs> here, John, is paying for hotels. All right, he's paying for the beer, and the girl ain't grateful. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because she don't want to make out in the car. Yeah, she doesn't want to make out in the car. So they, they, they get to talking some more, and we find out that they're in the, uh, like I guess, like the school parking lot or something. <laughs> that's what I figured, yeah. And she's all saying, like, I love you and stuff. And he's, he can't say it. He's like, yeah, that sounds great. You know I do. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, there's, this is just classic. starting off. This is classic right here. So they go to the back seat. They start kissing everything. They start hearing a noise. And she's like, oh, I heard that noise. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just some frustrated jocks. Oh, by the way, you know, I'm like the fucking uh, football captain. You know, I'm the fucking uh, quarterback, by the way. Ha, ha, ha. All right. And just, and then they start hearing some noise. It's like, I'm about to go beat these jocks up and stuff. She's like, oh, yeah, don't worry. Let's get out of here. So then they see there's a random dude, like, on their windshield. just start freaking out. And he, he has, like, a like a, uh, um, a convertible. So he already put up the mm-hmm. top. So that's why, you know, in, in the book, we get more detail about how he's right, exactly. slicing up this Lincoln. But in, in, yeah. in the movie, he just there on, on there, and he starts slicing up the, the car. So then John, he gets into the driver's seat. And he, like, drives away. But, like, while he's doing this, the killer grabs him. It takes him out of the car. The car comes to a complete stop. He just starts stabbing his ass. So, Allison, can you explain to me how, if the car was in drive, <laughs> how did the killer grab him, take him out of the car, the car completely stopped, and he killed him? Well, um... The the killer used his ninja powers, which we'll see later on in this movie, okay, to somehow stop the vehicle. At the same time, he grabbed him out. Um, it is also possible that the car wasn't automatic, oh, okay. and they kicked it out of gear. Well, there you go. I'll so maybe so that's that that is my explanation is that the car was not an automatic, but was a manual shift. And then in their struggle, they kicked it out of gear, and then it came to a stop because of that. Yes. I'll take that. You know what I mean? I like the ninja powers yeah. more, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> we do see that later on in the movie as yes. well. Yes. Yes. So now we're back at the school. So they they, they named this school the Lorraine, Lorraine College? Lorraine, I believe so, yeah. Lorraine College, yeah. Yes. And we see these two girls talking. We find out that one of them is going to be Lisa, and one of them is going to be uh, Janet. Yeah, no, it was Lanier College. That's La- what. Oh, Lanier. It. Yes, La- Lanier, yeah, Lanier College. College. Yes, I remember that now. Yes. So we see the the two girls talking, and mm-hmm. Janet is explaining that she is trying was trying to study for her exam, but then Gary was uh, 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 flirting too much, so they didn't get a lot of sleep. 
And she had to like get some clothes from somebody because she spent the night with Gary. Yeah, fucking okay. Gary. Fucking everything yeah. up. So then we have, then we see in the background, we see our, our main girl, Courtney. And she is now talking to Mike. All right, and boy, this Mike's hairdo and everything. This guy. What a character this guy was. And Mike was basically explaining to Courtney that he needs to get an 82 grade on his uh, uh, chemistry exam. Mm -hmm. Because if he doesn't, his dad will take away his car because the dad pays for the car payments. Yeah. Which... I think is a random ass number. Like, why is it an eighty-two? Well, you know, you, you gotta you gotta get a little bit above an eighty. You maybe. I mean, I mean, we're, I mean, the only thing I can think of is maybe. This is probably putting way too much thought in this, but maybe back in nineteen eighty-one, colleges weren't on the ten-point scale, um, because the high school scale would have been like eighty-two to ninety is like a B or whatever. So maybe his dad told him he had to get a B. And then, um, and an 82 would have been a B. Of course, yeah. when I went to college, it was like 80 to 90 or whatever was a B or something like that. Um, so maybe they weren't on the 10 point scale yet. Yeah. Maybe that's why. They're probably like on the half shit. So, but yeah. he, he doesn't care about chemistry because he wants to go to advertisement. That's what he wants to do. He wants to advertisement. And he, <laughs> and then he's like, and then the girl is just telling him the, the, basically the Courtney girl is saying, like, well, why don't you just study? He's like, I'm not doing that shit. Nah, fuck that. So then we meet Radish. Okay, yes. what a fucking name, Radish. Why, why is he called Radish? Like they don't they don't they don't explain anything in this movie, but no. they definitely don't explain why this guy's called Radish. So he is there to be the smart nerdy guy, which yeah. usually we have the smart the smart nerdy guy, um, be like kind of like you know he is the kind of the smarter one, but he's like he gets picked on like a ton. So this movie was actually a little different for its time. I thought it was actually a little bit more creative what they did with his character than what they usually do with nerd characters. Yes, in, in I agree. 80s horror movies. So they made his character, like he was the nerd character, right? He needed to get a little picked on, but he was more like the, like he seemed like he got along with everybody a lot more. Yeah, like I was going to say he was kind of accepted. Like the, yeah. the jocks didn't really bully him. He was like the... uh uh the equipment guy like he was the guy that took care of the equipment for yeah. the football team like um, like they did bully him a little bit for certain things yeah but it's not like it was like like you know like you'd see like in a lot of other like 80s movies where they would you know throw him in the toilet and shit like that and right constantly right, exactly. constantly get onto his ass like every minute like it seemed like yeah, you're saying he like he, he seemed like he was more accepted and they they listened to him a lot more and even not, not even any girls like were even laughing at him at all they were just hanging out like him like normal. Yeah, yeah, like they the girls accepted him and like you know especially like the main girl at the near the end but yeah. um but they uh but yeah he's not the guy that gets tied to the tree or anything like that and picked on. So yeah, I thought that was kind of refreshing that the smarty nerdy kid was like you know, like he was portrayed like a normal person, which is yeah. unusual for the time. Very unusual. So, and I liked it how they made his character was like the he knew all about like the killers and everything like that. Like, like I said, it, very you could see where Scream got that. You could see a lot of that where Absolutely. they where they got the Scream part to it. Like this whole like beginning scene was reminding me a ton of Scream, a ton. Mm -hmm. So he's basically saying that the there is some uh, some well he called it mass killings which is only two people at the Marks College and these we already <laughs> we already determined they didn't have a lot of people for yes. this movie 
So and, and that's <laughs> what they were saying. This is a mass saying. killing for them. <laughs> and the guy was saying, like, how is it a mass killing? It's just see people. It was like, well, it's a rural college, so that's enough people to make it a mass one. <laughs> Which which does make sense because you got to consider that like yeah. in 1980 1981 this area was definitely not what it is today yeah. and it was way more rural than it is so like in in 1981 you know uh, Spindale which is where uh, Isothermal College is uh, is it was in the middle of nowhere yeah. um, you know all of these colleges were kind of in the middle of nowhere back then so he was saying that these two kids got snuffed all right and it was a big uh, uh, spectacle because they were like uh, uh chomped you know they were stabbed to death and it just so happens that one of the characters who died was a first string quarterback so then our boy mark over here makes some uh, some comments you know, kind of blowing it off like oh yeah it looks like we'll have a chance this year then right and then <laughs> i about that it's pretty funny <laughs> so everybody was just blowing everything off now right we have now. to now we have to get a new quarterback because yeah. the old one got killed so then they, so we have um, uh, Mark and Radish and Courtney, they're all talking about it. And then Mark and Radish were going back and forth talking about the killings. And Courtney basically didn't want to hear it. She wanted to talk about the uh, something else, like the test. And then Radish saying, oh, that test is going to be easy. But of course, a lot of other people were going to have you know trouble with the test. And this is when we see our character, Wild Man. Wild Man, yeah. That was his. He might have had. Like, I think it was Wild Man, and was it was a bear or something was his was his name throughout the movie, but they mostly just call him Wild Man, and he had like his name on a shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm I'm guessing this is like a college sports thing that I don't understand because I never experienced anything like that. But like, so his shirt says Wild Man on it, and all of them have their like nicknames or whatever. Yeah, the, all the fraternity guys. That I, I mean, I mean, I'm guessing these are football players. Do they? I don't know if they ever say that, but they're all in a fraternity. Yeah, and like one of them is Wild Man, and they just call him Wild Man through the entire movie. I mean, I'm at the guest um, football. I mean, we didn't see like a football field. We saw a basketball gym. Yeah, but, but no, they no, talk no. about football. Yeah, so. because they said quarterback and shit. So yeah, and that's a football position. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to a basketball position. But yeah. yeah. So during this, we see like a black van kind of rolling around the school. Um, apparently, they're walking to go take one of their tests. So that we see the kids in like in their their testing hall, and uh, this is when we meet uh, the teacher, Doctor Reynolds. Boy, was this guy a character! So speaking of things you can't do nowadays, right? Was pretty much every <laughs> yeah. line that this teacher does. So basically, he is explaining. Uh, that it, you know, so he said like I I prepared this test for you all, and how the test is going to go is I'm going to lead the room because we're doing a honor system over here, but we're going to have these teacher assistants watch you guys, and they're mm. going to grade your papers. But these teacher assistants they're like Nazis, okay? So if they see you <laughs> yeah. cheating or do the same answers. I actually have an active shooter outside that's going to kill you and shit. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Okay. And then they start talking about like shooting. I love this. <laughs> they start talking about like. I love this. Like, like the yeah. Radish gets all like fucking excited about talking about like the mass shooter uh, guy and everything that happened around that. Charles, Char- was it Charles Whip? All right. It was his Whitman, favorite yeah, one. Charles Whitman. Yeah. And I was just like, talk about shit you can't do nowadays. I was like, holy shit. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it was like, mm. 
it, I was astounded when I saw this. Like yeah. it was like not only did he did he say that they're like Nazis, which yeah. okay, I could guess I could kind of see somebody saying that in 1981. Yeah. But um I I'm just astounded that it's I mean I'm just astounded that he said, "Okay, there's an active shooter outside <laughs> that's going to kill you if you cheat." Yeah. And then Radish yeah. talked about Charles Whitman who is the guy that was in the uh uh University of Texas Austin shooting. Yeah. So he's the guy that went up in the bell tower and shot all those people um in Austin, Texas in the 60s, 1965 or 6 I guess. Um but he um but when I saw that I was like okay, Radish is the killer he's got to be. Yeah, but I was thinking about that yeah. too, you know, they were making him seem like he was maybe in on it. Um you know, you know, during this, uh, kind of like a little bit during this part, but you know, obviously, I thought you know this. There was a reason this was in the movie because it was setting up what's going to happen a little later. But it was just very interesting of the the subject matter of this movie. Like it just, it's just so interesting of how that this particular section of all the parts that happen in this movie, how they're yeah. the whole portrayal of this this shooting and stuff like that does not age well. It so. does not. No, <laughs> a lot of this movie does not age well, especially this part, um, and the part that's going to come right after this. But, um, but the, uh, yeah, I, I just thought that was that was shocking. Like it was yeah. shocking to me to hear that in 2023. It's like, yeah, there's an active shooter outside that's going to kill you if we. Uh, yeah, and this is making a joke about it. Like it's just something you wouldn't like yeah, joke about yeah. nowadays. So the teacher, no, no you could, if, yeah, yeah, you couldn't joke about that. So the teacher's about to leave and stuff, and he's like, "Hey, don't worry about this stuff. Like this test, it's not going to be that hard. I only missed three of them, all right? Because our boy Wild Man's like, oh fuck, this is not the test I studied. <laughs> he's like, oh well, you, he said you could have bought me off, but you didn't. You know, I do have a price. I was like, okay, yeah. So now, but, yeah, now Doctor Reynolds is leaving, and he runs into Lisa. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, Lisa, you excited about graduating? She's like, yeah, I'm excited about getting out of here, getting out of this small town and going to the big town. And then Reynolds like, yeah, I remember going to the big town and partying and stuff like that. I'm a little too old to do that now. But, you know, I feel like you're doing it. And then, like, while they're talking, they're, like, walking into a room. And then, yes. like, he, like, puts down the vine or, like, the, the window part. And he's all like, yeah, you know, I've been teaching chemistry for so long, you know, to, to these kids, like, you know, I teach them this shit and... Even when they start getting it, they leave. Now I got to teach an, all, a bunch of new kids, and all this shit just gets old to me. She's like, "Well, why do you keep doing it?" He's like, "The reason I keep doing it is because I have hot young females like you throw themselves at me." And I was like, "Whoa, wow. where, where did this come?" So first we're talking about a fucking shooting. Now this, now we're doing some teacher and student sexual shit. I was like, "Okay, this movie just hitting all the boxes." <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, surely this was not acceptable even in 1981, right? Yeah. Like this is not like an acceptable thing. But yeah, like I, I feel like they could have set this up a little better. Like, you know, if they could have made him like, appear to be like the cool teacher that was like, you know, like he was, uh, you know, maybe like a counterculture guy from the '60s who's now a, you know, a, a you know, a college professor in the '80s, and like, you know, he's he's still young at heart, and he's like, you know, messing with, uh, you know, messing with the with the kids and the and the uh, underage girls. And we've seen that in movies a lot and yeah. it, it does make a good story, but they don't tell us anything about this guy. He's just a college professor. Yeah. So, you know, who jokes about active shooters. Yes. So, so the big thing about this was developing the Lisa character where her character is basically, she is going to flirt her way to success. 
So I think she, she's doing a little more than flirting, but yes. yes. So she, they start kissing everything, and mm-hmm. she's like, I don't know even why you put down those blinds. Like, everybody knows that, you know, me and you are to, like, together or messing around. He's like, yeah, I don't really care what the school thinks and stuff, but I got a redhead at home that can't hear about it. And then, like, basically, right. our boy, our boy <laughs> right now, doctor, he wants some sex right there in the room. But she's like, no, yeah. no, no. You can't have sex right here in the... And, this is a pop quiz. You got to do a final exam. And she's all like, just think about a doc. This is going to be your last time to have a hard flesh body. Not that saggy one you got at home. I was like, damn. Mm. She said, this girl's just talking to my ears. I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> I was like, shit. You're in. You're in. Yeah, you would be. Oh, and then I couldn't believe be this line. Home. I could not believe this line. She's like, what's that girl at home? Where she have to be? 30 now? I was like, what? What? 30's old? I was Fuck. like, that. <laughs> I was like, Fuck. That like blew my fucking mind. Like, <laughs> I, was like, I, I was like, what is that even supposed to mean? Like, and it and it's not not from the perspective that we're taking it right now. Like yeah. she has to be thirty. I mean, the girl has got to be like twenty, twenty one years old. I mean, she's yeah. like if she's graduating from college, she's probably twenty two, twenty three, yeah. maybe twenty one, twenty two. But like this, the professor is definitely older than thirty. Oh yeah, he's probably like up right. in his forties. He's like late, at least late forties. Probably late forties is what yeah. I was thinking. He's probably like in his late forties. So I mean, so we'll say he's like 40, 48. So his, you know, his wife is eighteen years younger than he is yeah. already. But I don't. I just find that astounding. Like, why couldn't? She, why? Why did they pick thirty? I know exactly. Like, thirty was like, a like fun age. They could have said yeah. she's forty exactly. or, some, or forty-five or something like that instead of like. What is she, 30? I don't know. Yeah, was she understand. 30 by now? I was like, damn, okay. So then she also says, like, you know, we're not going to be having sex in this room right now. I want you to meet me tonight at my rehearsal, and then we're going to go to the art gallery, or we're going to have art in the dark. And he's all like, okay. He's all, he's all down for it. So now we're back, and then all the kids are, are you know, finishing up their tests and stuff. And, of course, Radish, he's the first one that finishes. And they all groan. I'm like, oh. He's like, what? I'm a genius. Sorry. So then some of the kids, uh, they start finishing up their tests as well, too. Then we see also, too, Wild Man finished his test as well. And he goes out. And then this is when he's uh, walking outside and eventually gets grabbed by the coach. So this is where we meet the coach. And boy, this guy was a fucking character. <laughs> this fucking coach guy. Yeah. Like, he grabs, like, Wild Man stuff. He's like, you got to be on alert all the time. And then, like, uh, Radish just comes, like, right ne- next to him. He's like, hey, Radish, uh, I need you to do the uh, the equipment inventory at the gym, you know. And then they start making some jokes about, like, yeah, you know, we got to make sure all these equipment's here. We, you wouldn't want some of your star athletes to go and hit it and get a workout going on. So they start, like, <laughs> making jokes about all this stuff. But we can see, like, like I said, the character Radish, he's kind of like, he just gets along with everybody. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's, right, it's right. A different, exactly. It's a different type of nerd character, which is, like I said, very refreshing. And then he basically says, like, yeah, I'm going to do the athletic count, and I'm going to do that later after I finish up my test. So now we have the uh, we have um, Courtney and Lisa. They are outside, and they finished up their test, and they're they're saying bye to a, a another couple, and they're you know they don't think they're going to come to school later on. And then during this, this is when we get the a van rolls right up, gets out, and starts like fucking shooting everybody. And I was yeah. like, "Whoa!" I was like, "Wait a minute, where did this come?" I, it was just so shocking to see. Like if you when you when I was first watching this, you know, I was just like, "Whoa!" This is just so like, 
you don't see that a lot in horror movies. There's just some random people come out and start shooting kids on the school lot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, like, yeah, especially, like, the way we look at things now, like, that yeah. would have been, like, you know, that's, like, a terrifying thing. So, like, when you see that, you don't immediately think it's a prank or a joke or anything like that. You're like, oh, this is, uh, this is a serious situation. So, because I thought that this made me think that the movie was about, like, a shooter or something. Yeah, you know me what too. I mean? But... But, like, but then I was like, that is really weird that 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 this this happened in this movie. Yeah. But yeah. So at this, you know, Radish, he like goes into panic mode and he runs to go call the sheriff. Can't call the cops. Got to call the one sheriff that we have in town. So which makes sense because yeah. the city may not have a police department. Like a lot of those rural counties like that only only have a especially then only had a sheriff that covered the entire county. Yeah. So now we have Mark. We can see where all this is happening. He grades his own paper and puts an 82 and then slides mm. it underneath the, the rest of the papers that they were giving out to one of the Nazi school teachers. All right? Yes. And then, so when these, like, mass shooters were killing, they took the bodies in the van and they left. And then after this, we can kind of see that the Courtney, Lisa was kind of, like, laughing about it a little bit. And that's what I was thinking. Like, what, what the fuck is she laughing so then we can see a cut back into the um, the van, and the guys were all joking, and whoever they shot were all like laughing and stuff. So it was like, oh, okay, it's like a joke. And I was just thinking, like, boy, they're, they nineteen eighty nineteen eighty one must have been wild, okay, to do jokes like this because yeah. that shit ain't gonna fly <laughs> nowadays. Your fucking ass would be in prison and you'd be dead. Okay? Yeah, yeah, you would absolutely be in jail if you if you did this today. So they're all uh they're all like joking about it and stuff. Um so now so now we find out from from Courtney and Lisa that Lisa she noticed it. She noticed the the van uh plate the the license plate was the wild man. He, it was his license plate. So that's why she knew it was a joke. But then in this we can see the real killer kind of stalking them during this time too, like Michael Myers. Okay. Right. So that's why she knew it was a prank. So then they go out. To, so then they go to the cafeteria. Lisa and Courtney do, and this is when they start saying like, "Oh yeah, there's not a lot of people around here." You know, I guess everybody took their tests and got home. We were the ones that loaded to the last minute. So they're just, they're just kind of like, to me, when they were saying this, they're like, "Okay, well, we didn't have a lot of budget for like some extras, so we're just going to explain why all the halls are empty." <laughs> By exactly. Saying, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly why they did that. Yeah. It also gives you the idea of the reason that they're more isolated. Yes. You know, because if 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 the college were full of people, then they could get help from somebody. But this this kind of explains why there's nobody around to help them. So then they go sit at the table. Uh, this is when we see uh, Janet. She is there, and then uh, <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite things. Our boy Mark comes up. All right, and Lisa's there. He's like, "Hey, Lisa, how's it going?" Yeah, she's like, "You know, what do you want, Mark?" She's like, when are you going to do a midnight ride with me in my car? She's like, I don't want to do a midnight ride with you in your car. He's like, what? Well, fuck, it's a fast car. I mean, come on. All girls want to be in my car. Why would you not want to do that? Bro, this guy, like, this, okay, that has to be an 80s thing. Because, listen, I got me a fast car Mustang. And I never get even a, a peek from a girl. All right? The only thing I got is fucking old men looking at me. Hey, I like your car, brother. All right, so our boy over here <laughs> with his little converter—I mean, like his Corvette, which was a nice car. All right, he thinks like, I'm gonna get all the piss because I got this car, brother. 
But our girl, Lisa, she's like, well, I've been in many fast cars, so your car doesn't really matter. He's, and he was so shocked by this. He was like, what? There's no car faster than mine. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so then we but meet. Yeah, uh, I mean, go ahead. This, I was going to say, this Corvette is definitely faster than your car, though. Well, I'm yeah, yeah. It probably sure. was. What kind of engine did your car? It's a V6. Uh, so it is, it is pretty powerful, but, um, but yeah, I mean, most of your, most of your noise comes from your exhaust, but yeah. yeah. Um, but the, uh, but the Corvette, I would say it's faster than your car. Oh but yeah. Still. And I'm pretty sure some kind of, look, I would right, have to check, your, but I think uh, my friend has the, this exact same car that, that our boy Mark did. So I'll have to check though. Right. So Gary walks up. So Gary, he is the new pledge of this frat house. Allison, were you ever were you ever in a frat house before, or frat boy? Nope. Okay, well, me either. Absolutely not. So I don't really know what it's like being a frat boy, but apparently our boy Gary, he's all about it. So he's the new pledge there. So him and uh, 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 Janet, they have like a, I guess, a new relationship going on, but they're all like smitten for each yeah. other. And the and then basically Mark's saying, so Mark's kind of like the captain of the frat people, I guess. So I guess since he's the right, star quarterback, right. yeah. he's now the captain of the frat. Is that how that works? I guess he's a sure. Uh, he's the captain of the frat. Yeah, the okay. frat captain. The frat captain. I guess. So he is telling. <laughs> he kept saying, "Hey, pledge, I need to talk to you. I need you to do something for me." He's like, "Well, I got to study." He's like, well, "Are you are you disobeying an order, pledge? Get on out of here. We're gonna talk outside." All right. So the big thing is, you know, so th- th- there's been a lot of talk. Uh, another subject of this movie besides the prank that we cannot do anymore is the constant harassing that went on with the uh, frats or, or college frat stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, I'm not, I was never a part of a fraternity, so I can't say any of my personal experience of what happened with that. But, you know, I've heard stories about, you know, hazing too much and hazing gone wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's been a thing up until fairly recently. Like, I think I think a lot of that kind of ended like in the last ten years or so, even. Yeah. But th- there was definitely, I'm sure, definitely a lot of that in the '70s and the '80s. So, so this this made sense as, for his time. Yeah, I guess. So the big thing that Mark wants to do is he wants Gary to sneak into Doctor uh, Doctor was it Newsberry's uh, um, lab or, or like office? No, Doctor Reynolds. He wants him to sneak into his lab to grab the final test papers. Right, and Gary's like, well, I can't do that shit. I might get expelled. He's like, listen, all of us have done it. Obviously, he's lying. I said, all of us have done yeah, it obviously. before. You know what I mean? Like, it's your turn. Do you want to be part of our fraternity or, or not? And, like, you know, Gary's like, has a lot of, he doesn't really know what to do. Then we get Wild Man over here. Wild mm-hmm. Man starts joking about the prank that they pulled. <laughs> <laughs> and mm. then Mark says, like, hey, Gary doesn't want to go in and, and grab these papers. He's like, well, you have to. Like, you you have to go in there and grab these papers if you want to be part of the fraternity. And then they kept going back and forth. And, you know, Gary kind of, like, a- agrees to it. And they pretty much say, like, yeah, you're definitely going to do it. He- he's going to do it. And then they leave, and then Mark and Wildman leave in his Corvette. So now, um, so now Gary... He goes back to Janet, all right? And Janet wants to know, hey, what did you guys talk about out there? And he's like, it's a secret. She's like, oh, well, there's too many secrets and stuff. You guys are always doing secrets and stuff. And then they start going, flirting back and forth. They're like, well, I got a secret for you, but I can't tell you in front of everybody. So this is when we have Courtney and Lisa. They all leave. And 
he basically um, said he has a, like a big a secret for her. And so why, while we see Courtney leave, she actually puts her plate like down like a chute. Have you ever seen these things? So like basically you could put your, 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 your plate when you're done with it and it goes down into the kitchen area. All right. And then we see this dude okay. with a huge beard. Kind of looks like a dude from nowadays. Like cleaning up the yeah. plates, takes out the trash. We see him pass Courtney and he stares at her ass. I don't know if you caught that one. Yes. All right. She runs into some nerd guy and she passes the killer's van. So we see that there's uh, there's somebody stalking this particular college in a black van. Yeah. This Which scene. is why the fan scene, the, the van scene at the beginning made more, not the beginning, but like the mass shooting scene where they drive up in a van and then you find out that the actual killer is actually, is also driving a van. Yes. A lot of vans in this movie. This scene. <sighs> mm. The sheriff has now shown up and boy, what a character this guy was. Holy moly. <laughs> okay. So he shows up. He's like, hey, I don't see no mass shooting over here. All right. <laughs> And then, like, this is when Radish is like, yeah, like, apparently we were, like, you know, part of a prank and stuff. He's like, oh. He's like, he's like, yeah, like, the, the perpetrators. <laughs> All right? He was like, this is where Radish is like, the perpetrators got us and stuff. And then the sheriff's like, where'd you learn to talk like that? All right? Did you get anything? The biggest thing you're doing right now is wasting my time. And then Radish is like, well, I got the license plate. He's like, okay, give me that. Why didn't you say something? So he looks up the license plate. All right, it's like MPN one one two. And then during this, uh, Wild Man and Mark show up, and they're like, you know, cracking some jokes in there. And then like w- once he starts reading out the license plate, like Wild Man's like, oh fuck! So he starts like sneak away. <laughs> and, and then the guy was like, is like, is like Bullhorn, where are you going? He's like, I got a final exam to do. It can wait. <laughs> Tells him it to wait, wait up we there. We don't need final exams. You can just wait. Yeah, it can wait. And then, so now they figured out that the car or the van was, uh, it was, uh, it was owned in North Carolina by John mm-hmm. Conless. And they're like, anybody know a John Conless? And of course, he's like, yeah, we know what it is. It's Wild Man's dad. And mm-hmm. then, of course, Mark tries to defend him. He's like, listen, Sheriff, it was just a joke, you know, like a prank and stuff. Like, we, we, didn't, we didn't kill anybody. He didn't kill anybody. So this prank, like, it's just a fun prank that we were doing. I was just like, fuck, that shit didn't age well either. No. All right. And then, out of nowhere, this one shocked me too. So mm-hmm. when Mike was trying to plead his case, out of nowhere, Coach shows up. He's like, hey, what's going on, Sheriff? What's what's going on over here? He's like, yeah. He's like, what, where you been? You didn't hear? The Sheriff was like, we didn't hear anything about the shooting going on over here? He's like, yeah, I did hear about it. This is what the coach, this is what the coach said. And I couldn't believe yes. my fucking ears, bro. He was all like, yeah, I heard about it. I thought it was funny myself. I was like, you thought a fucking mass shooting was fun. What the fuck was going on in North Carolina around the 80s, brother? They didn't give a fuck around here. Holy shit. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is that, like like we mentioned before, it's just hmm. mass shootings on college campuses were not a thing, as yeah. prevalent as they are now. I mean, yeah. they, they were a thing a mm-hmm. little bit. I mean, they talked about the Charles Whitman one, but... Yeah. But it was just like, you know, it was not something that, you know, you went and, you know, you worried about every single day like you do now. But, yeah, like the coach saying, oh, I thought that was funny, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, well, okay. So then then the coach tells a story about the sheriff himself because he was all like, yeah, you know, sheriff, you used to, you used to be a, a fun guy until you got all uptight about yourself. 
Yeah. He's like, yeah, I remember one time where the, the library was burning around and you and your boys were drinking, saying how funny the fire was. And everybody starts laughing. <laughs> it's like, what is going on here? What, this what a crazy-ass town. Yeah. Fuck. They don't give a shit about anything over here. All right, so everybody starts laughing, and then the sheriff gets all serious and stuff. All right, and then out of nowhere, I don't know where the fuck they found this guy at, but he needs to be in more movies. We meet the campus security guard, Mitch. And boy, this guy yeah. was a... He's like, hey, sheriff, anything going on around here? I got everything all set up great. You know, the... <laughs> This right. was great. There are, no, there are no crimes around here or anything I can help out with? I was like, what, what kind of country bunking we find over here? This guy was great. <laughs> He's my favorite character, to be honest with you, in this whole film. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So then Sheriff, like, goes up to Bulldog. That's what he called the uh, wild man, Bulldog. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, here, one day, Bulldog, you're going to... And this didn't really go anywhere, which is weird. It's like, one day, Bulldog, you're going to come calling for me. All right, and I'm going to give you this dime because if you lose this dime, that's the last communication you'll have with the outside world. I was like, oh, fuck, okay. So, and then, so now the sheriff is leaving, gives everybody like kind of like the stink guy, uh, the, the, the security guard, uh, uh, Mitch, is like, hey, coach, we uh, hunting later. And the coach is like, I don't go out hunting with beer drinkers. He's like, well, I don't either. And then they said something. Then, then the coach and Sheriff were saying something about shooting, which it was so sudden I couldn't even understand it. I think it was all like the sheriff wanted to recruit him to be a sheriff, but then if like the guy would have to hunt something different to be it, I was a little confused by it. But then the sheriff basically <laughs> leaves. Okay, so so now the coach is like saying he has to go back to work and everything, and then we have Mitch and we have. Uh, not Mitch, but we have uh, Wild Man. We have Mark look at Radish like they're angry with him. So now we see um, Courtney. She's walking around. The killer is now stalking her like Michael Myers. She goes up go upstairs to study. We still see the killer stalking her like Michael Myers. And now she's talking to Lisa. And check out this conversation, everybody. <clears throat> if I may. So Courtney, she's like studying for like, you know, her final exam. And Lisa's mm -hmm. like, I don't really know why you're studying. You know, it's not going to matter when you leave school and shit. She's like, well, you know, it matters if you get good grades. Lisa's like, no, it's, no, it doesn't. So in the outside world, the way to get ahead is to basically flirt your way to success. Kind of like how I do it. You know, she basically says, she's basically saying she uses her good looks to get what she wants in life. And, she, right. and not only is she telling this, but she shows us an example. So she randomly goes out in the hallway and she's like, hey, you two, I need some help over here. You know, she's kind of like in her like gym outfit with her no bra on shit. So these guys mm -hmm. help her get her luggage downstairs. She, she's, she says like, see see how easy it is to manipulate men? And then she leaves. And then Courtney goes a little bit back to studying. And then she gets like like frustrated with it. Because Courtney doesn't have the gift of seducing men. She wants to rely on her brains. Okay. She is yeah, the. Yeah, some things don't change, right? Yeah, like she this is the whole scene with the girls doesn't change. Yes, so she is the Laurie Laurie Strode of our, our 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 show here. Courtney is. Yes. Yeah. So now Courtney's upset, so she goes to meet Radish, and she asks for an aspirin for Radish, and Radish asks, "What's the matter?" And they're basically she's basically just going on how life's not fair. And she's like, she likes Lisa, but she doesn't understand why Lisa gets handed everything. And Radish is just saying, like, listen, like, that's just the way, 
you know, Lisa got. She, she got handed this opportunity to come to this college. She gets handed all the grades because she flirts with everybody. You know, but that's eventually it's going to catch up with her. And she's not going to, you know, she's not going to be able to flirt her way out of all the situations she has. And, and that's the, so Courtney was just saying, like, yeah, I just stuff is just, she's just very lost right now. So Courtney really doesn't know what she wants to do outside of school. So we're doing like, we're, we're seeing like some realistic character building over here, which I can appreciate. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And then she's all saying like, oh yeah, men have it easy and stuff. And then, you know, Rash is just saying like, not all the time, you know, I want to be in the SWAT team, but look at me, I probably can't. So she kind of agrees and then she goes, backs up. So she she's going up, she's starting to go upstairs, but then, you know, she's walking up back to her dorm room, but we can see like the killer is around, stalking everybody around there. So now she's going to, she, she's asking for Lisa. She sits down and she noticed that her book is gone. And she's asking Lisa when Lisa walked in about her book. And eventually Lisa found the missing book. And she, and then it looks like the book was like on top of the uh, door and it falls on her. And uh, Lisa's getting like a little upset because she thinks it was a joke. But Courtney says, I wasn't playing no kind of joke. So then we had Janet. She walks in now. And Janet, she's like our drama. You know what I mean? Like you, you got to have one mm-hmm. character who brings the drama. And Janet, she is the one. So this is a thing too. So Janet is freaking out because she's a little nervous because our boy Gary gave her the pin. Allison, do you know what the pin means? Um, I did not know what this was, but I got it from the context of the, uh, of the movie, I guess. Like if you're a fraternity pledge, you can give your pledge pin, which I guess is a thing to, uh, to some girl, and that means you're like going out with her or whatever. Yes, but if uh, apparently, but apparently the frats yes. hate that. Yeah, they hate that. So if you yeah. give your pin to somebody, and the frat boys find out, I guess maybe in like a certain amount of time, maybe you got it. Maybe maybe you can't give a pin as a pledge. You got to give it as a full fledged well, plat guy. I'm not sure, but basically, you I, don't get, under, I didn't understand any of this because why would you do it if you couldn't? Because, if you had to have the pin. The pledge, the yes. fraternity. Why would you give it to a girl during your during the part where because, you're pledging? I don't know. None of this means because he loves her so much. That's why. So, our, so you know, the problem okay. was you can see in that one scene where you know Courtney was all saying like uh, not Courtney but uh, Janet was saying everything about you know secrets and stuff. So to calm her down, our boy Gary gave her the pin. But he said, "I'm going to give you this pin, but I keep it secret." You know, no woman can keep shit a secret. Or so no, Gary no. is a little judgment of error right there. But then mm-hmm. Jan's like, you know, I got to keep this a secret, even though I'm telling everybody. So <laughs> so we, we can't let the frat people know, because what they'll do is they'll tie him up to the tree and they'll put cold water on him and shit. And is that joking how that could be sexy and everything? Right. <laughs> so now we see... Um, and then they do this whole scene where they couldn't find the pin, but the pin was actually pinned to her ass. Gotcha. So now we see Radish, he's listening to some 80s music. This is when Wild Man and Mark come in and start confronting him about giving the license plate over to the sheriff. And Radish is like, well, fuck, I didn't realize. And they cut him off. All right, so Wild Man talks about, you know, you know, I'm talking about death here. Serious death. I'm going to kill you and stuff. And he, like, pushes him on the bed and everything. And then, like, Radish is like, listen, like, if you're going to do a crime, you got to, like, cover all your tracks. I mean, that's why it was so easy to find you, because you left your license plate there. And then they start, like, mm-hmm. 
basically saying like you know the, the, the wild man wanted to kill him but then mark's like don't worry about it let's just leave so they all leave so now we cut back to now we have gary our boy who gave out gave off his pin he is now in the school and he's still in those papers so he's going through with still in the papers on there so he finds, then we have a whole scene of him finding papers and the killer stalking him during the whole place and then he eventually gets grabbed but he gets grabbed by the frat house and then they said, like, hey, you might be gamma material on stuff. And then Gary's like, listen, guys, I really need to go study right now. He's like, no, you don't. You're not going to go study. He's like, and then Mark's like, oh, you don't need to go study? Oh, where's your pledge pin? And he's like, oh, fuck. So they grab his ass, okay? <laughs> and they fucking tie his ass to a tree, put shaving cream on him. He's bleeding for some reason. All right, they put fucking ice down his crotch. And this Gary, you never hear like this guy is screaming, "Get me out of here! Get me out of here! Get me out of here!" Like he's getting hazed, the fucking craziness. And he eventually tells this girl to go get Janet, so Janet will rescue him. Yeah, that does raise another question. I, I just now thought of why? Why are people pledging fraternities at the end of the school year? Don't you do that at the beginning? Well, maybe he. So maybe Gary is like a freshman. Right. He's going to a sophomore, maybe. So maybe he wants to go maybe. into his new sophomore year as a frat guy? Maybe. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know anything about that. But I'm pretty sure that they do that in yeah, the, the beginning, fall. right? Yeah. In fact, a little late, maybe. He has um, a late recruitment. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe. maybe they need one other person. Yes. So they basically rip all his clothes off, got him all tied up to that tree now. And... Uh, the, while they're doing this, like I said, Gary uh, uh, sent that girl to go find Janet to go re- help rescue him. And that girl, basically, she goes and tries to find Janet to tell her, like, Gary's tied up to this tree. So she tries to find out the whole place to go figure out where it's at. And then during this time, we have uh, Janet. She is talking to uh, Courtney about how she is nervous uh, with uh, dating Gary, and then they talk mm-hmm. about frats, and then they talk about the why Courtney never joined a frat fraternity herself is because a couple years back this girl got denied uh, joining a fraternity, and she threw herself off for six stories. And Jan, Jan's like, "Well, man, all those girls must have felt bad." And then Courtney's like, "No, it's not about the girls feeling bad. It's about the it was unnecessary." To begin with, all this hazing and stuff is very unnecessary. It's just very stupid. It doesn't need to happen. So we're getting that moral part of the story on here. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. So during all this, too, we have Wildman and Mark. They are back at the frat house. And they're laughing about Gary being tied up and stuff. They also get a phone call about you know him being tied up, I guess. And then out of nowhere... Mark's like, hey, I think we need some speed. <laughs> okay. And Wildman's like, well, I don't do that shit. Like, I don't want to do speed and stuff. It's like, well, Mark's like, listen, the reason we need speed is because <laughs> we take it, we can study for our test better, plus we can sell it, too, to get some money. So, right, because that's normal, Yeah. right? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not saying that didn't happen, but it yeah. just seems weird that they're just openly talking about, like, yeah. you know, you know, taking speed so that they can study or do whatever more. But like, why are they studying it. if they stole the test? Like, they, exactly. you don't need to study it at all. 
So I, I was yeah. Why is this why why is this drug subplot even in the movie? Like it doesn't have anything to do with the plot, really. Not really. But then he, the Marcus like, okay, right, yeah. so where can we find some speed around here? And I'm boy wild man. I was like, well, there's some pills in the fucking gym. I'm not sure if they're speed though. It's like, let's oh. go take them and, and then out. like Marcus like, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter if it's speed. We'll just take them, and make us feel better. I need you to go get them. <laughs> and the fucking wild man's like, well, I can't just what go the in there. Fuck? Like I only got the key to work out. Like they're gonna know I was in there messing with stuff. Yeah. And Mark's like, listen, I got it all figured out, man. We're gonna blame it. You know, that, remember that radish guy? We're gonna blame it on him. Okay? Cause I got these keys right here. So what I need you to do is I need you to go into the gym, mess the shit up, and grab the pills, and we're blame blaming on radish. Alright? Awesome. So now Gary, he's still tied up. All right, and he's trying to—he's like talking to himself and everything, and he's just not having a good time at all. And then, like, I like the best line I like he was doing is like, "Janet, Janet, where the hell?" It's like, "Fuck, bitches are always late." I was like, "Damn, bitches are always late." <laughs> <laughs> so, so now we have uh, the the girl who was looking for Janet. She's now shows up. She's like still looking for for Janet, and she eventually. Um, Okay, so eventually, uh, Gary, he's still tied up, right? And he hears a noise. And we'll, and who of all people shows up, but it's Mitch. He shows up. And he's like, oh, thank God you're here, Mitch. And you got to let me out. Mitch is like, I don't know if I can do that, man. I, uh, uh, I can't break tradition out there. You know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> you gave that woman your pin and stuff. You know what I mean? You got to pay the price now. He's like, yep, really yep. not going to help me, Mitch? He's like, he just fucking leaves. I was like, damn, our boy is cold-blooded. <laughs> yep. And then, like, oh, the oh, a good part was, like, Gary's like, listen, man, I'll pay you. And Mitch is like, what the hell are you supposed to pay me with? Your good looks? <laughs> and he's like, hey, listen, man, we'll drink together. So, basically, Mitch just drinks, and, and like, he mm-hmm. just pours a little bit of the drink on Gary and leaves. <laughs> yeah. That was that was pretty funny that yeah. he was, uh, like, I mean, Mitch is, like, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. Like, he's seen all this shit before. Nobody's ever died. So, yeah. you know, he just lets, he just lets the frats do whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So this is when we get uh, the girl still looking for Janet. This is when Janet and uh, Courtney they're talking about the uh, the whole fraternity stuff. And eventually, that girl finds finds them, and she said, "Hey, Gary is tied up and stuff. You need to help him. He's begging you for to help him." And then Janet's like, "Well, maybe I'll let him sit there and stuff because you know frat stuff is stupid." All right. And then they're both gonna go like check it out, but then Jan's like, "No, I'll go, I'll go run, and I'll go tease him a little bit." Mm, right. So now Gary, he's still tied up. He has no help. He's still screaming for buddy. And then he, he hears some noises around there. All right. So he thinks at first it's Mark and Wild Man, but then the something cuts the rope, and now he thinks it's Janet. So the all the ropes get up, and so he gets free, and mm-hmm. he's like. Asking, is anybody out there? And he's like, of course there's somebody out there. Somebody let me out. And then after all this stuff, the killer comes up and just stabs his ass more than six times. More than six times. So during this, Lisa is now going to the rehearsal. Yeah, buddy. So, So now Janet gets to where Gary was at. And she doesn't see Gary. But she finds his shoes. And then she kind of looks like in the far distance and we could see that there's a shadowy figure on top of the... Was it like a tower or something? What was that thing? 
Um, it was like a school light somewhere on a building. The thing, the thing they were running into. No, no. So Janet found some shoes, and then she looks ahead, but she sees a shadowy figure like, a couple of distances away on top of like a tower. And oh she thinks, yeah, and she I think it's, it's just scary. like a. Um, I want to say it's a bell tower, but I don't know if that's oh. exactly what it is. But like a lot of old schools have those. Like if you go to Chapel Hill, there's like this big tower type thing that I, I assume was originally a bell tower that they rang a bell to, you know, to uh, to uh, call people to do something or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming that's what that is. So just like the one Charles Whitman's shot all those people from the bell tower in uh, Austin at the University of Austin. So she she's like pants on the floor. Now she's loving this because she thinks Gary's playing a little, little little tease for her. Yeah. So she goes on that bell tower. She asks around. She's like, you know, where's he at and stuff? And she doesn't see it. And she starts to get a little freaked out. Then she sees the lights flicker on and off. And she runs the hell out of there. And then she gets grabbed. While she's running away. We see Lisa. She's playing the piano. And then we cut back to, wow, man. He's tearing up the weight room looking for these pills. And he grabs mm-hmm. the pills. And he takes them. He breaks a trophy to make it look like somebody robbed the place. And he's leaving, and now he's on the basketball courts. But he noticed that the game um, sign was turned on. And he asks, like, you know, who is there? Is the coach you there? Who's all this stuff? He's like, stop playing around stuff. And then he turns on the lights, and we see the killer just standing right there. And they all start, and then both of them start fighting. And the killer starts whipping his ass. All the pills <laughs> fly down everywhere. Then he whoops his ass in the gym. And then eventually the killer starts beating his ass on top of the uh, the cable machine. Eventually chokes his ass out with the cable machine by slapping his ass everywhere. So not not a bad yep. fight scene there. Pretty crazy. Yeah, kind of Crispin was him at the end. Oh yeah, freaking crazy. Mm. So let's see. So Mark is now he he's like, where the fuck is this wild man at? All right, he's like, I'm gonna go find wild man and I'll get you guys your pills. All right. <laughs> So, so now we see that Radish, he is now bringing whiskey to Courtney. All right. And he explains that he always brings whis- whiskey before one of his final exams. And then this is when he's like, hey, you shouldn't have left your door open. And this is when we hear the, basically the whole plot of the movie saying like, listen, there's a lot of like crazy people out there and killers and stuff. You know, you never know who's going to be a killer. It could be somebody you're going to eat at a restaurant with. You don't know if that person yeah. one day is just going to go crazy and kill a bunch of people. So it's yeah, always... It could be me. Yeah, it could be me. It could be anybody. It could be going crazy and killing people. So, you know, these are just like some uh, some unhappy facts. And she's like, well, I just don't want to talk about this anymore. And he's all like, you know, you know, I get it. You know, you're trying to get done with school. You're just trying to figure out your life and stuff. But I just got to tell you something. He looks around. Can you just please lock your door? <laughs> yeah, and then just they, yeah, because they were, they were, they, were, and then they kept going on about how they were, um, they start talking a little bit about Lisa and how Lisa is going to be doing her organic studying, uh-huh. and her getting what she wants to all the time, while Courtney just can't figure her life out. You yeah. know, then the rash is like leaving. He says he has to go do the inventory at school. Yeah, so by organic setting, she means fucking the professor, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We gotta have little hints here, brother, of what she's just doing. I wanted to point that out. Yeah. So he says, like, you're just bored with people. And he said, please lock your doors. Tonight here at night. He leaves and knocks on the other door, saying, like, listen, listen, Courtney. You know, you have a pretty face. Prettier than Lisa, because there's more to it. 
And Courtney smiles at him. Closes, they said, I'll lock this door also. And then he leaves and he's like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Because, you know, he doesn't have any game. He does not have any game, but I mean, but realistically, he was liking him, though. realistically though, yeah, he was likable and they liked him. And like, it was, I mean, he was like a normal, he's like the only really normal person in this entire movie. I thought, uh, well, the girls kind of, but, um, but you know, he was like a, he was like a regular person compared to like the insane stereotypes that everybody else had. But, but yeah, like he brings the whiskey into her room and they drink the Irish whiskey together and then she can't drink it because she's a girl apparently. And, um, but you know, like he, like he doesn't come across as weak, which I thought was kind of cool. Cause like, you know, in like revenge of the nerds or something like that, you know, they would try to drink the whiskey, but they couldn't drink the whiskey cause they weren't strong enough. And you have to be a frat boy, strong guy to be able to drink whiskey, that kind of thing. But you know, he, he acted like, or he was portrayed as like an adult responsible, smart person who was also like a kind of a nerdy guy. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that, his character is definitely well done in his film. Yeah. So now we have Mark. He's going to the school to find Wild Man. He's looking all around the gym for Wild Man stuff. Can't find him anywhere. And then he eventually looks into a locker and Wild Man, like, he sees basically Wild Man stuffed into a locker. He's like, oh, fuck. Yes. He starts freaking out a little bit. So he runs outside. Uh, his, his car turns on, so he gets freaked out about that. Runs back inside. Uh, he starts, he, it looks like he locked himself in the, like, the boiler room. And he goes into a room that says, danger, do not enter. He goes into there, runs out there, and then gets stabbed by our teleporting killer. Who can teleport. Yes, who just appears out of nowhere. Yeah. With his ninja skills. Well, you know, see, what I was thinking was our killer, he went to Michael Myers' school. So he figured out right. how to do these special tricks that our boy Michael Myers. But so, he, he teleports a little bit more than Michael Myers does. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he mastered that class. Yeah, well, okay. okay. Good point. But you know, yeah. if 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 the killer had turned out to be the school janitor, then all of this would have made sense because maybe he knew a way to get into the boiler room, but you know that the student didn't know about, so he got there quicker. Um, you know that kind of thing. But we don't even know that, so he just kind of teleports into uh, into the room to kill to kill him. Yes. So now Radish is going to the gym to do his. Uh, uh, count his inventory count late at night because yeah. it's the perfect time to do it uh he well, sees of course well when else would you do it right yes he sees Mar mark's car outside and he opens the door and he says oh reminds me of watergate <laughs> <laughs> so let's stop here for a second so um being a nerd myself i understand that joke and yes. and, and not to apply that you don't you probably do but i just think that what a weird like it like a joke of its time yeah you know what i mean like watergate was what like 74 73 74 or something like that probably yeah. um and then so in 81 people would have still understood what that meant but like in 2023 people are probably like what 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 is this what what is this joke about like what a weird ass thing to say of course they you know when they made this they weren't like well what are people in 2023 gonna think when they exactly. see this they probably thought nobody would ever see this damn thing but um because we hear that over and over again, but, um, you know, it's just so odd. It's just such an odd joke to have uh -huh. this movie, I think. So he goes in the, the gym, he sees it's all messed up and stuff, starts cleaning it up and everything, saying like, man, somebody definitely went through here. And he, he goes in this closet park and he sees Mark's body just falls on him. So he starts freaking out a little bit. He's like, okay, I gotta yeah. go call the sheriff. 
So he starts mm-hmm. to call the sheriff and stuff, gets through, and the sheriff basically just blowing him off, saying, like, there's a dead body here for real this time, okay? <laughs> and then, like, he's just saying, like, you know, you got to come down here and do your job. Like, sheriff's like, well, don't tell me to do my job. He's like, I'm not telling you to do your job, but you need to come down here and stuff. And then they, he basically is like, oh, well, I'll put it on my back of my list. And then he hangs up on him. He's like, oh, fuck. And he starts fearing for Courtney. Yeah. So during this, so, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, there's a couple of things I wanted to point out here that I thought were funny and interesting. And one of them, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, they don't have 911. But they, but back then, like I can remember when this area got 911. So back before, so before we had nine one one, you actually had to call the fire department if you had a fire. Like you had to know what the number of the fire department was, or you could get the operator to connect you. I guess. Um, so I thought it was interesting that he had to dial zero yeah. and, and on the pay, on the payphone. Um, I was also thought it was weird that the payphone, the gym had a payphone in it, like the locker room had a payphone. Well, um, you know, just in case, <laughs> just in case they didn't make a phone call while they're changing into their. Uh, things for the gym or whatever but um also the uh um he had to dial zero to connect to the police department or the sheriff's department but he also had to pay like he also had to put in a dime to make the call so like if you don't have a dime you can't call the police department in an emergency yeah he'd be fucked well it's a rural town so you know gotta get your money somehow i guess so so during this we have lisa she's playing the piano now at a rehearsal Mm -hmm. all right Right as she sprints back to the dorm, Lisa hears a little bit of a noise. She thinks it's uh, the Dr. Reynolds, Charlie, she calls him. Uh, yeah. So Radish is now going to Courtney's room. It's 303. He's like, let me in. And he eventually gets grabbed right through the door and pulled into the room. And it, uh-huh. it's 303 in the morning, right? No, no, it's 303. That's her, that's her dorm number. Oh, I, th- I thought you saw what time it was. Well, I wanted to point out that all this is happening crazily late at night. Yeah, like she's rehearsing night, yeah. her piano thing in the middle of the night. Yes. Well, you know, and there's like, a reason oh, for then... that. There's a reason for that. Well, she's okay, setting up the good mood. Point. Good point. You're right. With a doctor. Oh, right. For art in the dark. Yeah. So Courtney, she's getting a Pepsi. Good choice. Mm-hmm. And she is now. Lisa is now setting up the mood for the art in the dark, brother, which is basically candles <laughs> and. Art paintings of her nude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. I, that was my favorite thing was like, it was just all paintings of her nude and candles. Yes. It was great. And she, and she's, uh, she's like, I will get you ready for the art in the dark. <laughs> and she gets on this couch. And so, so well, like, first she takes her clothes off and changes into that silk robe or whatever. Silk, yeah. So we get, so we get our nude scene for the movie. And she wasn't lying about that fit Bonnie. So. No, she wasn't lying at all. So Courtney now goes back to the room. Uh, she sees that the door is open. She sees Radish's face is like hanging out this door. And she thinks it's a joke. You know, she's like, I need you to move. I need you to smile. And she's kept like, you know, like, this is not funny. It's not funny. Then she realizes like, oh shit, this shit's real. Like Radish is like yeah, fucking he's... dead now. Mm-hmm. So she hears like a little noise and she starts freaking out, starts banging on a bunch of doors. But remember, like nobody's there. So that's why nobody's answering the doors. Right. So then we hear a noise entering uh, while Lisa is, uh, uh, we, we see pics of her nude and stuff. She's basically, she hears like the door open stuff. She's like, oh, your masterpiece, your your, your texture is finally here for you. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, this girl. Mm-hmm. So Courtney is trying to, uh, so Courtney runs into Mitch, who's drunk in his car. 
and how Mitch mm-hmm. will not open the car because he's too drunk uh, to wake up. <laughs> so Lisa is now getting rubbed by the hand that she thinks that is Reynolds, but then when she yeah. kisses it, she finds out it's not, so she eventually gets choked and stabbed. Mm-hmm. And then blood goes all over her artwork of her naked. So now Courtney's running yeah. to go find Lisa. And I like when she was in there, she's like, Lisa, are you there? Lisa, Dr. Reynolds, are you there too? Like she already knew that Lisa and Dr. Reynolds were hooking up in that, in mm-hmm. that yeah. the whole time. So now she, we can see in the background the killer coming downstairs. Uh, Courtney's eventually runs into the killer and she starts hiding. Uh, a big old chasing of her finally hiding in the cafeteria. Uh, the phone's down. This phone's down. Apparently, she didn't go to the right locker room to get a real phone. Mm-hmm. Um, the killer's now coming. So, we see the scene of the killer coming down the food hatchet or the food lift <laughs> that we saw earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and then he shows up right behind her, freaks her out and stuff. She starts running away. And she eventually um, psychs him out. Like It looks like she was going to go to the freezer, but she didn't. So, she knocked him down with the, with the pot. And this is kind of like, so at first we were kind of seeing like the back of the killer's head. Like we could tell that he wasn't yeah. wearing a mask. But this is when we were just seeing his face. Like it was just some normal, big, bigger dude. Just walking yeah, around true. with a knife. That, that, I, f- I forgot we did see this scene and the scene at the very, at kind of near the end where, uh, at the very end where we would do see his face. But yeah, he's just some random guy that decided to kill a bunch of college kids. Yeah. So Definitely. after after she knocks him down and stuff, he gets back up. And she she was trying to like find a different place to go, and he he, uh, he runs right into her, and then she starts screaming. And she runs out, and he's walking very slow, like Michael Myers, towards her with the big ass butcher knife. He's basically Michael Myers without the outfit on right now. So she goes outside. She's running all the way around outside. She eventually goes back up to her dorm, which has like a huge amount of flight of stairs. And this is when we see uh, a truck roll up, and it's Coach. Because Coach is looking for Mitch so they could both go hunting, if you remember. So okay. up, so upstairs, uh, Courtney is now upstairs and stuff, and the killer's following her up here. Uh, but she looks out the window, she sees Coach, and she says, Hey, Coach, you know, there's a killer up here. He's trying to kill me. And Coach is like, Oh, shit, okay. So he grabs his bow and arrow, okay, to go into the, the up near the stairs. He's running up the stairs. He finds the killer, which is not named at all, just some dude with a knife. And he's all like, he's like, don't go near her. I'm going to put this, I'm going to put you on my wall. And I mean, he's going to hunt him down, put him on his wall. Yeah. And this is when we get. Coach and, go ahead. That's why he has a bow and arrow, right? Yeah, because he's going to hunt Because yeah. him and Mitch are going to go hunting in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah, which they said they Apparently. were going to do later on. Which you're just like, sure, that makes logical sense. I don't know anybody that bow hunts at night, but. Well, maybe I mean, it's early morning. Whatever. Okay, maybe it's yeah, maybe it's maybe it's like five o'clock in the morning. The sun's not up yet. Yeah, but, but it's about to be. So he's yeah. So they're so it's it's about to be. So they're, yeah, they're about getting to a, you're getting a head start. All right, all right, all right. You explain that to me well enough. So I explain that to you. But explain can you, the next part. I okay, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes his bone arrow and he shoots this guy, and the fucking guy catches it with his bare catches hand. I'm the like, arrow. what the fuck? <laughs> Like he catches the arrow. Like it, this is when it lost me. Yeah, this is the only thing I did not like about this movie because up until this point, yeah, other than the weird car thing at the beginning, which we explained away, 
there's a reasonable it's reasonable right he could just be a serial killer who's killing people yeah but now his reflexes are so good that he can catch an arrow in midair yeah in midair like, at full force for with the trained hunter like our boy yes. coach was supposed to be so yeah. when he catches this arrow coach just runs up to him he just stabs his ass like super quick like what was he trying to do <laughs> he didn't have he didn't have more than one arrow like, apparently not he only had one arrow and he was going to kill him with the one arrow that he had but uh but he caught it with his ninja skills and yeah. um decided to stab coach with the arrow so according freaks out now so the killer stalks her some more and it just so happened that there was a a loose part of the wood that the killer before he could stab courtney with his knife got trapped in it so he got trapped his foot got trapped in this least uh this part of the wood on the stairs so he drops his knife Courtney just grabs a piece of wood and hits him with the weakest shots I've ever seen in my life. These are like some, these are some yeah. like Hulk Hogan chair shots where yeah, she was hitting yeah, this well, guy. I too. And then the then the killer eventually uh, we see the knife fall down, and then we see eventually the, the the killer get pushed down, and he falls down these huge amount of flight of stairs, and he falls to his death. And then we see Courtney; she kind of goes down the stairs, checks on him like all people do in horror films you gotta make sure the killer's dead and of course he's not dead he grabs her foot then courtney grabs a knife and she stabs him more than 10 times she stabs him a bunch of times to make sure that the killer is dead to make sure his ass is dead then she goes kind of the halloween ending right where he falls off of something but doesn't die yeah but she actually puts the nail in his coffin brother she put the exactly. she put the final grade on the final exam and then she goes oh, out. I like I like how you did that. I like, like how you did that. <laughs> but I could see the ending of this movie being written as okay, well we saw the killer fall off something, but our but 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 in our movie we're going to make the the girl the fi- the final girl run down and actually kill him. I could see I could see them making that decision consciously yes. from seeing the end of Halloween. Yes. And then she goes on the stairs, starts to cry, then we get the credits. And then this is when we get a non-sequel to no Now this is when we have to read the book. To maybe figure out more details of the final. To find out why the killer was killing anybody. Yes. But uh, yeah, I thought it was just really cool. I love the ending of this where she's sitting on the steps and like she's the only person still alive. Yeah. Um, but uh, and the uh, but the, uh, the final girl. Yeah, the final girl, and then the credits are rolling, and I like how at the end of the credits it says special thanks to Ice the Thermal Community College. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I think most of this movie was filmed at in Gaffney at Limestone College. Um, and with, with, I think that they had to pick up some shots. I have a feeling that at isothermal, they had to shoot some pickup shots that they still needed after they left Gardner Webb and, and, and Gaffney because Shelby is not too far from, uh, where they were filming the stu- studio shots is not too far from where isothermal is. So I have a feeling that they're like, oh shit, we need more college shots. Where's what's the closest college? So they so isothermal let them come there to film some shots doing something probably that's what I, that's what I I think anyway yeah so definitely a fun one over here um, mm-hmm. I would say it's definitely a fun slasher you know this one was more about the uh, character development than it was like shocking death scenes I would say but yeah. uh, it, it's definitely a fun besides some of the stuff that didn't really age that well I would definitely give this movie like a, a pretty high score I thought it was pretty fun oh yeah. 
You should definitely watch it. Even, I mean, I don't really care about the stuff that didn't age well. I mean, that, that it's, I'm not offended by shit like that. Yeah, but, I mean, it's um, just one of those things. That's just what the time was like. It, you know? Yeah, with the times, yeah. You would look at it. You would see it in a different light now if you didn't think about, you know, if we didn't watch it like we do with our 1981 eyes. Because to us, it's 1981 when we're watching this, not 2023. But um, I love this movie. I mean, I thought it was great. I mean, I may actually buy this on Blu-ray if I can find it. Well, I think they I think they released like a high definition 4K with it. So, Ooh, it's like a special release nice. out there. So, it's yeah, definitely so a I fun might pick one. That up if it still exists. It's it's good. I mean, I was really I was really surprised how good this was. Yeah. When I love the cover art or the the poster art. Yeah. So when I saw it, I was like, okay, this is that poster art is going to be the best thing about this movie. But it actually was really really good. And I would recommend people to watch it. It's on the uh, it's on Shutter. That's how I watched it. Yes, same um, here. Yeah. So so yeah. If you if you don't have the Shutter, it might be on. Uh, it's all. If you don't have the Shutter, it's also on AMC Plus. If you have that, because they have all the Shutter stuff, I think. And it's also on. Uh, it's probably on Tubi. Maybe I don't know. I didn't. I didn't check on that one. But uh, definitely watch it or buy the Blu-ray or watch it on Shutter. You should subscribe to Shutter if you like horror movies anyway, because it's great. And they don't pay us to say that. Definitely a fun but one, everybody. But join us here next week as we finish up oh. our month-long reviews looking at school and school activities in 90 Days Horror Movies as we're going to be finishing up strong because we're going to be talking all about The Prowler. Yeah, we're staying in 1981 again, which is when The Prowler came out. Ooh, looks like our boy Final yeah. Exam got some competition there, brother. Yeah, what's happening. talk about competition. This movie came out October the 9th, 1981. So this is going to be like right before Halloween 2. Yeah. So we got we got a hot month but talking about October. Classic, so you'll you guys will love this movie. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. And then of course we're going to be going into the uh June talking about some different topics which we'll say on the next episode of the Retro Blood. But everybody, oh, yeah, that's going to be special too. That's going to be a fun one. Oh yeah, we got we got a lot of, we got a lot of good shows coming up here. We got a couple of lights out that we're planning as well too, everybody. So keep keep an eye out on the Facebook page. Uh, join the mm-hmm. Facebook group for all the extras of the show. Join our Facebook page so you can see all the the dates and episodes that we got coming on. So check us out, everybody. Let the friends know. Anybody's a friend of '80s horror movies or '80s metal, '80s pro wrestling. Let us know. Get the Retro Blood name out there. But Allison, what are we going to be leaving everybody with? here today so i think that since you know we talked about those rush shows at the beginning of this of this sh- episode and since those uh shows are so um so well documented you know since those recordings of, of the next night exist let's end it for the people with the opening song from uh from that 1981 rush tour um they opened with 20 with the 2112 over tour um, and then went into the first song from 2112. There's a great version of this out there. So let's uh, let's let the people hear the actual some of the actual show that we're talking about. So let's send it with uh, uh, 2112 from Rush. Live. 2112, brother from Rush. Just like our boy Mark's football captain number 2112. He's throwing those magic touchdowns so his dad could pay for his Corvette. And eventually, eventually he was about to be doing some pills and shit, but he couldn't because he got stabbed to death in a boiler room, brother. So, yeah, exactly. Too bad for him. He could have been a star quarterback or he could have been a salesman at Sears. You never really know what the yeah. life's going to happen to you, brother. 
never, never know what could have happened. But we do know something. The Retro Bub will be back next Sunday. We will see you guys later. See you guys.